This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Brett Wenn. You're listening to the Nebraska Greats, a podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves collegiate athletes facing a medical need and a financial challenge. Learn more, give generously online at www.negreats.org. And today I am joined with Cole Manhart. Cole, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. So Cole, um, I tell you what, uh, when you were at UNK as a lineman, uh, I really enjoyed watching you play, but honestly, I was more interested in who you were as a person because you're just a fantastic guy. You were involved in a lot of different ways uh, in that athletic program and academically as well. And so we put together this podcast and uh, my name is Brett Wetton and I'm the host of this, this uh, for this segment. And, and so Cole, let's just jump right into this, man. I know you were, uh, we came from Thunder Ridge, Colorado, uh, high, you know, Thunder Ridge high school uh, in uh, Highlands ranch, Colorado. Talk to me, man. What was high school like for you? Did did you play multiple sports? Were you primarily football? I mean, walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, so growing up, I grew up, obviously, you said Highlands Ranch, Colorado. I went to Thunder Ridge High School. Uh, I played football, I wrestled, and I played lacrosse while I was there. And just kind of being able to go and do all three of those sports kind of really built a, a good background for me to uh, compete and then uh, play at the next level. That's fantastic. You know, I spent a lot of time in Colorado as admissions counselor recruiting, and I know Coach Morris and their staff spent a lot of time in Colorado. And I think, obviously, as, as we look back in history, we're going to find out that you're probably one of the greatest linemen to ever play at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. And so, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you how playing multiple sports in high school uh, set you up so well for your college and then NFL career. Yeah, so I think that probably wrestling was probably the most uh, impactful sport that I played growing up. It just teaches you a lot about leverage, being able to meet uh, meet a lot of like big guys in the hole and be able to use that leverage to move people. And just having that background and being able to just go out and compete, it really just it really built on everything I learned about playing offensive and defensive line in high school. And then once I got to college, uh, just using those same skills really helped me kind of excel. Uh, when it came to going up against, uh, you know, 300, 320-pound linemen. Well, look, I saw it firsthand. I, I was always very impressed. Uh, we both played uh, tackles. Uh, you played left tackle in college, correct? Um, yes. And I played the other side. And you know that all the money in the NFL goes to the left tackles, not the right tackles. So. <laughs> yep, for good reason. <laughs> for good reason. So, okay, so walk me through just a little bit of your experience at UNK. It's a Division II school. I think guys like you and me, um, you know, uh, we, we had our shots division one, but we ended up at division two school and had really just an amazing experience, right? We got to play yearly and play all the way through our careers. So walk me through, you know, first day in UK's campus uh, at football practice, any thoughts you'd like to share with our, with our podcast crowd? So I showed up in August, 2010 and you don't really know what to expect as a freshman. Uh, you think that, you know, you've come from high school where, you know, everybody's the best on their team and you show up there and you start playing with grown men again. Uh, you know, I had guys on the team like Mason Brodeen and Steve Gooden who'd go on to play in the NFL as well. And, you know, when they're throwing you around as a 17-year-old freshman day one, uh, it's, a, it's a humbling experience. So, you know, it, it kind of showed me that there's great guys and there's, there's NFL caliber players anywhere. And at that time in UNK's history, there was a lot of them. 
No, that's right. And actually, thanks for reminding me of that because we did have a couple guys. I mean, what Giants, Cowboys, where were some of the teams? Those two players, uh, uh, Mason went to. Uh, didn't he go to the Rams for a little bit? Maybe the Raiders as well. Yeah, he started with the Rams. Then uh, he ended his career. He was he was with the Raiders. You know, I think a lot of people that maybe listen to this, you know, think you know, once you play football in high school, like it's this, you know, you go to college, and how how much harder could it be? And you know, I thought, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, it is harder. You are now at the bottom of the rung and you've got to work yourself up. And I think maybe that's lost on a lot of people and just how hard it is to, to climb the ranks in college football, regardless of where you play. No, that, I think that's absolutely right. You know, it's, it's like every level that you step up in, you need to kind of figure out where you are in that order and then you need to climb back up again. And I think that's lost on a lot of people. You look at any recruiting class, and it starts off with 50 guys. And there's a reason that, you know, maybe if you have a quarter of those guys make it to their senior season, that's a successful class because it's not an easy thing to do uh, to stick with a program for five years and climb your way back up there and then just be, you know, a competitive football player. So uh, to anyone who's listening, I would just say, yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It isn't. And, you know, the other, the other parts of it that kind of I look back and reflect on was, you know, we ran the no huddle offense. And I can't remember. Did you guys run the no huddle office at, offense at UNK under Morris? Yes, we did. Yep. So you're learning a foreign language, right, for the first time, and that takes some time. And then, and then, but but I will tell you that I look at my life now, and I realize, and and I and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question directly: is that ability to to adapt, the ability to have that grit to just grind through it, the ability to to learn very quickly? I mean, there's no doubt that you benefited from that, from your college experience and that led on to the NFL and what you're doing now, which we'll get to in here a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that being able to, it's how, it's how quick can you analyze information? That's kind of what the no huddle is all about. How quick can you get up to the line? Uh, understand what type of defense that you're playing. Are you playing a three down or a four down front? You know, where's the mic linebacker and then being able to adjust from there. And a lot of that goes into how quickly can I figure out what I need to do here? And then, what is it exactly that the coach is calling in and how can we, you know, audible out of this and do a play that's going to be successful. And I think that really did help me, um, you know, in my couple of years in the NFL, I was able to adjust to that a little bit. No, that you're talking about the fundamentals, finding the Mike linebacker, adjusting the play, you know, a lot of defenses stem when you get up there, they're trying to confuse a little bit, hide, hide their blitzes, you know, and, and I, as I, I didn't have the quite the NFL career you did, but as you go into the NFL side of it, which we'll get here to in a moment, um, you know, they're calling several plays at one time. And then when you get up to the line of scrimmage, the center's kind of calling the coverage and then the quarterback's picking one of those, those three plays, right. And then you're going to go after it. And so going back to college, you know um, so I was really taken back by that foreign language we had to learn in the no huddle. And then you have to be in really, really, really good shape. And I, and I would tell you that Cole, I mean, you just did a spectacular job of just being a really tough nosed guy um, and you're a great teammate. I think the other thing that's lost in a lot of folks that maybe listen to this is an offensive line is a unit of guys that have to play together. You know, we always talk about you have to have a united front, and if somebody's off playing, whether it's pass protection or whatever it may be, I won't get into the weeds of it, um, then that creates a big problem, right? And so talk to me a little bit about your teammates. Talk to me a little bit more about the chemistry of everyone has to kind of be on the same line and in sync for it to really work. Playing offensive line is like is a very unique experience in the fact almost exactly what you just talked about. You're relying on five guys to, you know, mesh for 100 plays a game. And it only takes, you know, one play for everyone to kind of remember that you messed up. 
And so you're really counting on, as a left tackle, you're counting on the fact that the right tackle knows what he's doing. And then if he goes down, you're counting on the sixth man to be able to step up. So there's really this unique brotherhood that's formed on the offensive line that I think is really unique to any uh, position group in all of sports. I think that's why I really just enjoy offensive line play because there's no there's no single guy. Nobody does it alone. You know, the, the all-star left tackle or the all-star center, he's not doing it by himself because he needs the guard next to him and he needs, you know, the, the tight end next to him getting those chip blocks. So it's really you're never doing it yourself. And I think it's just kind of a good analogy within football for, you know, teamwork within, you know, the, the biggest team game in all sports. Now it's well said, well said, Cole. And, you know, Cole, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, as an offensive lineman, if you mess up once and your quarterback sacked, I mean, that's just the end of it. Right. And so you're talking about 100 plays, you know, and it depends on how much somebody's going to run or pass during a game. But, you know, it's a really hard position because, like I said, you're played left tackle. I don't know. Did you give up any sacks uh, at UNK as a, as a lineman? You know, I think there was a couple. Uh, There's one against David Bass. He was a future NFLer. Uh, he played at Missouri Western that I can remember when I was a sophomore. Uh, that was probably – That doesn't you know, count. You're a sophomore. That doesn't count. <laughs> Your senior year, you didn't give up any sacks. I know that because I almost watched every game, and I, I know that didn't happen your senior year. No, there wasn't too many that I really remember uh, giving up. And, yeah, you might be right on that, that I didn't give up any. No, I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm absolutely right about this. And, you know, a hurry is not a sack. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You're right. I'll take that. No, no, please take it. And uh, it's well-earned for you. I Again, uh, the other thing I think, you know, because part of this podcast and, and me doing this as a guest host is I want to bring a little bit of the X's of o and O's to people that may not know or or do know, but maybe not to that extent, right? And so um, that unit that works together on offensive line is just spectacular. I miss my buddies. I consider you be a buddy because I didn't play with you, but again, you're part of that special group, and you know we're forever alums. So, well, let's move on here a little bit. Um, I'm actually just going to pipe in here. Again, uh, this podcast is produced on the behalf of Nebraska Greats Foundation. We provide support to qualified former letter winning collegiate athletes who have medical needs and the financial challenge. Learn uh, our story uh, at org. I also want to throw a shout out to Two Brothers Creative. Uh, Matt Tompkins has set this up in producing this today. So we thank you uh, quite a bit, Matt, for getting us straightened out here. Just two former washed up offensive linemen coming together to, for a little bromance today. And so, um, you know, Cole, just a quick plug for Nebraska Greats. Uh, I'm on the board of directors. And what we've done around the state of Nebraska is we have folks that were letter winners at any of the colleges and universities. I believe they're 16. If they fall on hard times and they need to see a doctor or they can't afford something, this foundation has been set up to take those uh, to those resources that we have uh, that are purely for them. And we're able to send somebody to Mayo or get somebody a bed that may need it. And I tell you what, it's really been a great time uh, to be a part of helping folks that gave so much to their respective school uh, and any athletic um, program they're involved in. So um, thanks for agreeing to join us again here today. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's amazing. And thank you for having me. No, no, it's, it's just a blast. Okay, bud. So let's get to the second half of this. So um, the NFL. So walk me through again, bringing some X's and O's to this. Walk me through your your starting end your career at UNK. Obviously, there are some restrictions on agents. You know, I read your award list, and I you know I'm looking at mine. I'm like, man, this is like five times uh, longer than mine. So I really can't can't really go there. You know about I, don't that. Have, I don't have any uh, 
you know, leg up on you on that, that I can give you a hard time about. But walk through the process of the agent, walk through, uh, you know, because there's there's being drafted, there was an un, undrafted free agent, there's undrafted street, you know, there's all these different terms. Walk me kind of through that process. And then more importantly, what you were thinking at the time of what was going to happen. So right around your senior season, you kind of get the idea of whether or not you're going to have a legitimate shot to make it to the NFL. There's a lot of uh, scouts at practice. I think during my senior season, there were all 32 teams came through and they start kind of giving you an idea, you know, hey, we think that you're potentially going to be drafted uh, by an NFL team. So as soon as the season comes to an end, um, you know, the the reasonable thing to do is to, is to find an agent. And if you're a player that probably is, you know, an All-American level, the agents kind of find you. Um, and then at that point, it's just kind of the betting process. Who do you feel comfortable with? Because these agents are going to offer you the world um, as they do. Oh, yeah. You know, they're going to try to land as many guys as they can because they don't want to end up with, you know, the Patrick Mahomes and right. making 3% of that $250 million. Um, so, you know, you, you end up finding an agent that you're comfortable with. And if your agent's worth is, uh, is weight in gold, he'll get you into – uh, one of the senior, either the senior bowl or the NFLPA bowl, uh, which is the one that I played in. Um, and that just really gave me a platform to play uh, with a lot of defense uh, division one players. So I was playing with guys from, you know, Southern California, Nebraska, uh, Notre Dame. And that kind of just gave me a little bit of spotlight to show that I was, you know, at the same caliber as a lot of these guys. And, and that really helped me, um, you know, when it came time to uh, signing later on, but, you know, the, the next thing is, is trying to make it to an NFL combine. You know, they're not having that this year, but that's another really, uh, you know, significant part if you're kind of a, a D2 guy. And it seems like more guys are getting invited to, uh, to the combine now, but unfortunately I wasn't, uh, I wasn't invited at the time. But I was able to uh, perform at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln's Pro Day. Um, so that, I think I was the first one since Danny Woodhead uh, that they invited to go up there. and. Um, and that was just a, an amazing experience in and of itself. Um, and then pretty much from there, it's just waiting on draft day. You hope that you put enough stuff on film and you've done enough at your pro day and in the, the all-star game to kind of show teams that you're uh, an NFL caliber player. And then it's kind of just up to up to your agent to kind of go out and sell you and let the chips uh, land where they may. Well, look, I'll go ahead and apologize on behalf of the NFL for not inviting you to the combine. <laughs> My understanding when I played was that if enough teams, and I can't remember, I think the number was 16 teams were interested in seeing you at the combine, that was enough for you to come. So, you know, I'll apologize on behalf of the NFL. I'm sure uh, Roger Goodell is going to call me and say, hey, Brett, you know, let's, you're not authorized, but that's okay. And, you know, look, it's a complicated process and, you know, <clears throat> It takes time to go because uh, you, you're working out, you're getting your 40 da- 40 yard dash down, your vertical, the pro agility, um, all the footwork drills you know you're going to go through. And so um, did you enjoy that when you knew like, hey, man, I've got a legitimate shot at the NFL, not to just be on some roster, but to play. I mean, what was that like when you could just focus completely on football and, and, and trying to make a career out of it? It was a super unique experience. My agent sent me out to – uh, Manhattan Beach, California. And, you know, there's no better place in the world to train than Southern California um, in January. So you're pretty much just training to be a track athlete. You've got to switch that mindset from um, I'm playing football to now it's how fast can I get? How big can I look? 
Um, you know, how much can I bench? Uh, how many reps can I get of 225? And it's just becoming a whole different thing, you know. And and when you go to your do your pro day and you play in these games, they bring you up on stage and it's pretty much a glorified meat market. You know, they they measure you, you, you know, to the centimeter almost. Uh, they have your your hand size, your arm length. They know everything there is to know about you. So it's it's literally like passing like an FBI background check. And, uh, did they, did they, so, did, so for me, they shoved my feet up against the wall. Then they yeah. pressed my shoulders against the wall. And then they pressed down on my head up against the wall, right? For the height. Yeah. And I was like, easy, fellas. Like, my goodness, we need to sign a consent <laughs> here or something. What's going on? Yeah. That sounds pretty similar to my experience, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, and that was what they put me through. And, you know, I think another thing for a lot of fans and, and people that are listening, you know, it is an extensive background check. It's an extensive review and physical of your uh, your condition because, honestly, you know, if you have any problems where they think you're going to be a high risk for injury, then that factors in on, on whether they're going to sign you and how much they're going to sign you for, how long they're going to sign you for. And it's just really fascinating to learn about that as I went through it. And obviously you went through it and, and went farther. So let's talk about, um, okay. So I've always been, I always like to ask this question, tell me, tell me something I should know. And I'm a little bit different. So I'm going to, because I've been through some of it, but uh, for the listeners out there, tell me something I should know about your first NFL practice that you were surprised by and that you weren't surprised by. I think the thing that stands out to me the most about my first NFL practice was the speed of the game. Um, every practice is almost like a full game that you would play at the Division II level because at the Division II level, there's maybe three or four guys on the field every Saturday that have a legitimate shot to go play in the NFL. And then you get to practice, and it's almost, you know, everybody there is the fastest guy, was the fastest guy on their team um, at whatever college they were at. And everybody's there is trying to make the team. And so it's there's no going half speed at all during any of the practice, whether you have pads on or, um, you know, you're in, in full pads. And that's the thing, too, that kind of surprised me was when they say that you're going half pads in the NFL, there's it, that's not really a thing. So it's, it's not full four every day. I, I, prefer, I actually enjoyed it. And I wish I could have played the game without pads other than a helmet. I would have been happy without just playing like some hockey pads because honestly – I like this the speed of it, and so so tell me what what didn't surprise you then? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of. I think what that's a, that's a good question. That's um, why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't surprise me? Um, nothing really. You know, it's just coming from the the D two level. I think I was just. You know, I didn't know what to expect, but just how just how nice and welcoming some of the, the other offensive linemen were. You know, it was it was cool to see that guy, older guys took you uh, under their arm at, at certain times. You know, it's definitely a competitive business, but people were willing to help you learn and, and kind of coach you up. So um, I thought that was that was pretty cool as well. Did did any of the coaches, you know, did they, hey, you're a D2 kid? Or, I mean, did that, any, any of that stuff kind of hang with you at all? Or did you feel like when you showed up and you're putting the effort forward? And again, for a lot of our listeners, I mean, it's a tremendous amount of study learning the new system. Uh, you know, I mean, I could go on and on about it, but did that hang around you at all? Or did you feel like you made pretty quick uh, friends with everybody and just was res respected for your, your work ethic and your athletic ability? I think being a D2 guy, that kind of hangs on you a little bit, you know, like in the back of your mind. 
Um, if I'd be lying, if I didn't say that, you know, that caught me up once or twice, but you know, you have coaches there that are telling you, Hey, you know, whatever you did to get here, that's in the past. Like all you need to focus on right now is making this team. And I think as soon as that, like kind of got into my mindset and I'll, I told myself I deserve to be here as much as anybody else. And this is my opportunity to try to go and improve that. Um, you kind of knock that off pretty, pretty early on, or you're not going to make it um, just because nobody really cares where you came from. It's all about what you're doing right now. It's all mental. So well said. And, and Cole, look, we're really proud of you because uh, it's a really difficult thing to do. I mean, less than 1% of all uh, college football, uh, you know, graduates or, or guys have played all the way through even have a shot at making it. And of that 1%, uh, an even smaller percentage actually end up playing. And so give me this, give us, give us uh, just a quick run through then. So the Steelers, just how long are you there? How many games you play? If you don't remember some of that stuff, that's fine, but just give us a little taste. And I know you went to, to a couple teams, didn't you? Yeah. So I started off, uh, I signed as a undrafted free agent with the Philadelphia Eagles. Went through the offseason with them, got released. Uh, then I uh, signed with the New Orleans Saints, went through the preseason, um, was one of the final cuts there too, which is always kind of like, you know, a gut punch. Um, then I was on the Oakland Raiders practice squad at the end of the 2015 season uh, before I signed a, a year-long deal uh, with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and went all the way up uh, through the preseason with them. And then I got hurt and tore out my shoulder. Um, That's right. And had a full labrum and bicep tear um, in the 2016-2017 season. That's right. Um, I, I look, you know, Eric Eric Crouch and I were talking here some time ago, and, and we and he kind of made the thing to me. He said, "Brett, he goes, everyone in the NFL plays hurt. And there's an any guy out there that's not has something that's ailing them." And so, you know, I don't want to focus on the injury because um, you know it just it, everything's past everything, but. Um, Give me, uh, give us just an eye, give us a taste of maybe a couple of the best players you've ever seen, whether playing against them or on your team, uh, you know, again, when you come to division two or e even on, I mean, you, we were, we were the king of the hills, right? At, at, at the hill at UNK, right? And so give us a taste, a couple people you're like, okay, that's, uh, that's not human. That's an alien inside of the human body. Um, who would you put on that list? Give us two people. So the, the first one that comes to mind is Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, when I showed up in Pittsburgh, he was coming off an, an all-pro season. And just seeing the things that he could do on the, the football field, and, you know, he's, he's still doing them. He's just won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and all personal uh, issues aside, he is one of the most athletic human beings I've ever seen. Um, the things that he could do, he's about 5'10", um, walking around as a wide receiver. And his ability to make a play on a ball to, you know, extend the play, um, it's just really unreal. And just seeing him go out there and compete, um, say what you want about him, but he's an ultimate competitor. And uh, just seeing him out there was amazing. And then the second one, um, I would say, was Khalil Mack when I was in Oakland. And uh, being a guard and, you know, having a, uh, a veteran slap you on the behind and say, hey, go out and block that guy. Uh, it's kind of a surreal moment um, because, you know, he's arguably wow. one of the best pass rushers in, yep. in the world right now. And then just being like, you know, all right, I got to figure this out real fast um, if I want to keep my job here. And then I'll give you one. I'll give you one more. Give um, me one more. When I was in Oakland, uh, I remember going out on a screen pass and I was running downfield 
And as I'm running downfield, I see Charles Woodson in front of me and I lock him up. And this is right before his, his yeah. uh, last game as an Oakland Raider. And the only thing I'm thinking in my mind is don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Um, and you know, you I run just him over. Him That's what I want. Yeah, That's what all the listeners were him before his last game. And, uh, you know, I'm blocking him. And after the play, I say, Hey, Charles, it was, I've watched you since I was a kid. It's awesome being out here. And he's like, you know, hit me on the helmet. He's like, Hey, thanks, man. And that was just like one of those wow. surreal moments uh, that you have um, that just kind of stand out. No, that's fantastic. Um, wow. What, thanks for sharing that with us. So, so we just have a few minutes remaining here. Um, but uh, so, so this is a part I don't know so well, but I'm really excited to hear about it. So after the NFL, you have the injury, uh, you repair it and everything. What did you go do next? And what are you doing now? So I took a year um, off after I got hurt, and I kind of had this idea um, while I was playing my last season uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, I kind of had an epiphany that I wanted to go in, uh, serve the United States of America and the U.S. Army. Uh, so I went to basic training. I received my commission, and I'm now serving uh, the U.S. Army as a, as a first lieutenant uh, at Fort Drum in uh, upstate New York. Thank you for your service to our country. Um, what was that training like? I mean, again, you've had this great background of football and, and how intense it is and over a long period of time. Are there some parallels there? Or are there some things that surprise you? I mean, just give us a little taste of that. I think the thing that uh, when I left UNK, the thing I missed the most was the camaraderie. Like we were talking back uh, to bring this full circle. You miss being around the guys and guys who are dedicated to a, a singular goal. So when I went back to basic training, it felt like it was the first day back at UNK for me. Um, it was all these guys pulling in the same direction. You know, you, you have to put your ego aside a little bit um, because everybody's in the same boat. And it was just really, it was a humbling experience, but it was also probably one of the most enjoyable um, that I've had in my life just because it, it felt like it was a group of guys with this one goal. And um, I just really enjoyed it. It kind of brought me back to that team. Um, and it was, a, it was a great experience. And then I didn't, weren't you over in England for a while? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Come on, don't don't hide it. This is our <laughs> listeners want to hear this. That's what he got. Yeah. Us. So I was selected out of OCS. I, I graduated at, at the top of my class, so 140 cadets uh, that were at uh, the officer candidate school, and I was selected out of all my peers to go over to England uh, to represent the United States of America. Uh, so I spent a year at their version of West Point, yep. which was a very unique and uh, unique experience as well. And it was just it was really cool and. I got to spend uh, a year there getting to learn all about the, the UK and their military and how they operate and just get to be around some of the, some of the best people in the world, really. Uh, there's people from uh, all over the world that attend that military uh, institution. So it was really cool. Excellent. And, and so what, like, what are you specializing in just to kind of close off this, this part of it? Um, what did what do you, what did your specialty in, in all of it offers officer candidate school and then going to that experience and coming back? Like, what are you doing specifically? So specifically I'm a, uh, infantry, uh, officer. So I'll be in charge of, uh, you know, uh, infantry platoon here at Fort drum. Um, I've been to airborne school. I went, um, ranger qualified. So I went to ranger school at the end of last year and, and that was always in a, a goal of mine when I joined the Army as well. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my specialty in the Army. Well, I we're very, very, very proud of you. And I, and I have a lot of friends that have served. And, uh, you know, Cole, you've done stuff that's really, really hard. And uh, you've had experience with different cultures and, uh, you know, being in a different country. And 
I'm just really, really proud of you and thank you for your service for our country and everything you're doing now and in the future. Let's just maybe kind of go back into the personal life a little bit here as we start to wrap this up. Um, so I, I can't remember, married, unmarried, kids, no kids. How's your family? Like, get, just give me, how, how is Cole doing personally? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, just really glad to, you know, just be up here in upstate New York, you know, doing the job that uh, I've been training to do for the last few years. Uh, I have a long-term girlfriend. She lives in Cincinnati, Katie Weber. If you're listening to this, I love you and I hope you're doing well. Um, welcome Katie. You're welcome. We set that up just for you. <laughs> um, no, everything's going well, no kids right now. Um, but yeah, just kind of enjoying life and, uh, just going to continue to do, uh, do things that I enjoy doing, being around tough people, uh, you know, trying to improve and, and get a little bit better each day and just thankful to God for all the opportunities that he's given me. And, uh, the role that UNK and Nebraska played in my life because I would not be here uh, without either of those two um, in my life. And and it was just a, a very special time. And I look back on it and, and I think it really kind of laid the foundation for where I'm at now. Excellent. So let's let's close this thing off with, you know, hopefully we have some younger folks who are listening to this podcast. Um, and, you know, this world's a tough place. Our, our attention is divided in many different ways. There's a lot of different things going on politically. There's all these things going on, regardless of where you are on that spectrum. You know, what are a few of the, I don't want to say the cheesy kind of uh, traits that I think can really help a person do whatever they want in this world. But if you were to throw th- uh, three or four of those out there to some folks that are listening uh, to encourage people, what, what, what would you throw out to them in your experiences uh, that we've, we've just spoken about? Yeah, I think one of the big things is people always say like, oh, you must have been the biggest guy in high school or, you know, you must have been like so athletic. And I really didn't take off until I got to, to college. And that just I wouldn't say that I was more athletic than a lot of the teammates or guys that I played with at UNK. But one thing I will say is like I outworked almost all of them. Like I loved my teammates, but I was in the in the weight room every single morning. Um, I went to class every single day. I think I can count on one. I missed one practice. Uh, out of all five years that I was at UNK, I missed five classes and that stuff might seem cheesy, but it's the little things you do every day are the things that really kind of define who you are. And if people could count on me, my teammates could count on me. My coaches could count on me. uh, I could look myself in the mirror every day and say, like, I did my best. And I think it was just having like a blue collar mindset coming from like a blue collar household and just showing up to work every single day and working hard. And I think that's lost on a lot of people now, but if I could just talk to anyone now, I would just say, just show up and outwork everyone. And it sounds cliche, but it worked for me. Not a cliche. You and I need to get together and write a book about this. And I'm sure millions of people would buy it. Well, here, Cole Manhart, uh, you're an All-American in every way. You were an All-American on the field. You're an All-American in the classroom. And I, I, I will sleep really well tonight knowing that you're on the front lines uh, leading an infantry uh, into some future conflict. And um, I'm just really proud of you. And I just thank you for your time. Uh, my name is Brett Wetton, and this is the NGF podcast. Uh, it's been produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation. If you, uh, or you or you know of a former collegiate athlete that needs help um, from any of the 16 uh, four-year colleges or universities in Nebraska, and they have a medical need or they like, I, I need help, I don't know what to do or whatever it may be, um, we are here to help them. Please contact us at www any any greats.org. I need to get that figured out. Cole, we wish you the best. Thank you so much and have a fantastic day uh, to our podcast station. Thank you very much. Have a great day.
Yeah, thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.